welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 117 for Saturday the 8th of September 2018. And I don't know about you, certainly in the UK this week, there's been a distinctly autumnal feel. The weather's just taken that change and there's a slight chill in the air in the UK at the moment. And it does feel to me like we've just had a a gear change and we're heading towards Christmas. And I certainly... When I came back from my visit from my mum's after the weekend, the first thing I did when I was having my recovery cup of tea after driving a couple hundred miles was to sit down and to plan out up to Christmas because I very much felt like we'd turned that corner. had a great uh, four days uh, seeing my mum, really enjoyed it. I'd I'd gone to her 80th earlier on in the summer and you know what it's like when there's loads of people around. I didn't really feel like I'd seen my mum, so I was very keen to get down there and just have a you know a proper visit and really enjoyed the week. I'm so pleased that I did. We had a really nice time. Um and and kind of the schools are back this week, but it's a little bit different for me because I've got uh children going to university. So I, I'm delivering one on Sunday, and then we've got another two weeks and I'm delivering the, the second child to university. And we've got one child at home being home educated so we don't have school anymore in our house um but it was very interesting I was listening to when it used to be called the self-publishing podcast and I can't remember what it's called now it's you know the American guys Johnny Dave and Sean Uh, I can't remember what they call the podcast now it's got a new posh name but they were talking on I think it was um Worst show ever, which I really enjoy listening to. They were talking about the disruption of the summer holidays and talking about the kids going back to school. And I I was listening to that thinking, yeah, I completely agree with you. The summer holidays is just completely disrupting to a workflow. If you've got sort of kids and people whose arrangements change around the summer holidays, it completely disrupts my workflow. And I generally don't bother uh, trying to write in the same way that I normally would over summer. I just know that it's a, it's just a massive effort. The, the problem with it is, and Johnny uh, Betruant said, um, really articulated it very well in their podcast by saying that in the summer holidays, every day feels like a Saturday, you know, by which he meant there is no routine. People get up at different times. There's just no routine to it. And, and that's how I feel over the summer holidays. So I honestly believe you know, to be honest with you, probably through just sheer determination, if I'd wanted to be writing over summer, I would have got myself up probably at five o'clock because that's how I prefer to write over the summer if the family are home. I just prefer to be up and have, have got most of it done before they get up. But I, I just decided not to write this summer. As you know, I've just completely dedicated myself to marketing and I'm really pleased I have it. I'm just very happy. I feel much happier. And I know I've got a, a, a 90,000 word book written that's just sitting on the shelf. And to be honest with you, um, I, I, I think probably at the moment I'm not going to get anything edited or released until in, in 2019. That, I want to keep writing, but I don't think I'm going to release anything until that time. Now, um, let me just tell you what my plans are with writing. I, I, I really am enjoying the marketing at the moment. I just wanted to give you an example just due to one change that I made on my website. Uh, you know, I changed the self-publishing journeys website. I made some changes, which you probably won't even notice if you look at it. 
uh, but they are little ninja changes. Uh, this month, I had a $200 affiliate payment um, just for one promotion that I use on that site, simply because of one of the changes I made to my marketing. Now, uh, a, a lot of people listening to this um, won't have published a book yet or will have published a book and will be struggling to make sales. And so if I say to you that for one affiliate promo, that's not work I've done, that's a product that somebody else offers, I've made $200 in one month. That's a lot more than many authors will be making from, from the books that they've published. So you can't knock $200 of affiliate income that comes from my sites, from my self-publishing journey site. So affiliate income is basically where somebody else creates the product uh, you promoted on your site, and then you take, in this case, a 50% cut of the proceeds. So through my site, we've sold $400 worth of this of this promotion. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You know, this is, I have to keep some things private. I might reveal it actually in, in, in Patreon. That's the kind of stuff I, I reveal in Patreon. Um, but $200, you can't sniff at that, can you? And if you, if you, if that continues throughout the year, that's a good chunk of income from work that I don't have to do. Now, I'm promoting a product that I use anyway. I use it all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm using it by recommendation. I'm not sort of promoting something that I don't believe in. That's one of the things that I I changed significantly when I stopped internet marketing. When when I was internet marketing, and again, because I was working with somebody else, we, we had some tie-ins with other people's products. and They weren't sort of tie-ins from people that I knew. There were tie-ins from something that my pr promotion partner knew. And, and I was promoting you know, stuff, frankly, that was crap. And it doesn't sit well with me at all. So the one thing, you know, one of the big things I changed when I came out of internet marketing um, was that I only promote stuff that I use or highly recommend or can vouch for. And I've got that in my uh, sort of, you know, terms and conditions. Now I, I say what my criteria are for promoting things. So, you know, that's $200 I'm very happy and very comfortably can make. Now, frankly, I could be making a lot more money if I didn't, um, you know, if I just promoted NL crap. Um, if I just promoted stuff that uh, converted, uh, then I'd be making a lot more money from that site. But, um, you know, I, I want this to sit right. And from day one with the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast, you know, I've only recommended things that I use myself and can vouch for. So you can't knock that. And that's an immediate, you know, $200 benefit from the work that I did or have been doing over summer, doing the things that I know need to be done, but I hadn't had time to do them. So um, I'm going to continue the marketing work. I've kind of carved it up. And I don't think now I was I was working out. I know what I'm doing over Christmas now. I think we're going abroad over Christmas. So I've worked out when well, I've, I've booked the plane ticket. So I can tell you I'm going abroad over Christmas. I booked it the other day. Uh, so I can tell you I'm abroad over Christmas. Um, so I know what my end date is now. You know, I, I was, uh, was a bit, a bit dithering really around what was going on at Christmas. So I've set the date now. I've booked the, the plane ticket. So I bought a plane on that on that day. So I know now what my kind of cutoff point is if I'm writing up to Christmas. So I've worked out the free days that I've got. So I can tell you, let me just get my schedule out. This is how I do it, by the way. This will give you an insight into how I manage my time. So I can tell you that I will be jumping on a plane on uh, Tuesday, 18th of December. So I take that date and I've got my kind of uh, work commitments in there, my day job commitments, if you want to call it that. So then I look at my Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So sometimes my wife, wife works on a Saturday, so that I use those as writing days. Otherwise, I write on Thursdays and or Fridays. 
So counting back the days with free days and working in commitments and wife's working on Saturdays, all those days, I know that if I write my first 5,000 words on Friday the 12th of October, I will have a 90,000 word first draft written by the time I jump on a plane. Okay, so that's what the plan is. So I will start writing again on Friday the 12th of October. Now, because I've done how many books is it now? 15? I've written 15 books now. I I can say it with that confidence because I know that when I sit down to do the writing, I will have my 5,000 words written. Now, I always have to put a proviso in there because when you start writing a book, you never know whether it's what I'm going to call, I call fly or die. You never know whether it's actually going to take. And fortunately, they, all of mine have so far. But you know, there's always that proviso that you get 10,000 words in a thing that ain't working. If I did that, frankly, I would work harder and work weekends. Uh, I'd write at weekends when I don't usually write when the family are all home and, and things are different. I would actually write to make those words up. Um, but so I, I plan to have another 90,000 word first draft done by Christmas. Now, um, that will mean I have two 90,000 word first drafts done. Now, I, I'm dithering a little bit about that book. I've got kind of a number of plans swishing around my head at the moment. I am very keen to talk to Adam Nichols. <laughs> I want to talk to him about what he did with his books, you know, to make that the amount of money that he has. But um, so let me tell you what's swirling around my head at the moment in terms of strategy. I have a, it's a, I guess you'd call it a passion project book that I want to write. And it's a, it's a sort of sci-fi, but it's more literary fiction to be honest with you, I don't even know whether I've got the kind of skills, the writing skills to write something of that nature. I, I, my writing's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, pick it up, read it. It's very simple. There's nothing complicated in my books. You know, I don't claim that they're something that they're not. They're just hopefully, you know, get on with it, action-packed books um, that just tell a story. So, but I have had this idea swirling around for a long time. You'll have heard, you know, if you listen very closely to the diaries, you'll have heard me allude to it a couple of times. So I'm minded at the moment. If I can bring that, is it bring it to the wicket? I'm not a sportsman, as you can tell. I think that's the phrase. Um, but if I can sort of bring that to, to fruition, I'm quite keen to write that up to Christmas. But the other thing I'm thinking of is that with the Don't Tell Meg series, I, I got a series there that sells and, and people who, you know, I've got, I've got read through. Uh, Don't Tell Meg can make me money. You know, I can have a book bub and I can have six good months. So Don't Tell Meg is kind of a proven successful formula, if you want. I'm sure people who know more than me would look at it and could tweak it and make it much better. But it, it's my, it's my most profitable book, my most profitable series at the moment. So I'm, I'm running with it. And, I've also sort of heard from readers that they'd like more of the characters. And I know that writing in series is a good thing. So I, I'm minded to to write uh, at least another three books in that series, three, maybe four in that series, using the same characters. And uh, again, as I was writing this, you know, there are characters I'd like to explore more. And I've, I've jotted down on a post-it note where I, I could take that book fairly easily. So I am very minded to turn... Don't Tell Meg into a series using the central characters. So effectively, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy would be the prequel, effectively, it would be the prequel story to the two main characters. And then I'd just pick up those two main characters. Now, originally, when I wrote Don't Tell Meg, I, I'd left the story so that they, they head off to Spain. And I'd always thought, right, that's nicely set up. That'll be a nice little retirement uh, gig for me. So that um, when I'm, you know, when I want to travel abroad, I will... 
I will write the next book and I'll set these two characters in Spain. But to be honest with you, I can still do that and I can still bring them back to the UK. I've sort of very easily thought of scenarios that would get them back to the UK to effectively just give people more of the experience I've done in the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. Um, so I was thinking that this is why these ideas are swishing around in my head. So at the moment, I'm minded to start writing a 90k book on the 12th of October. I think that book might be my, my kind of dystopian. It's like, it's like, uh, The Handmaid's Tale. It's not The Handmaid's Tale, but if you wanted me to say, my, my catchphrase for the book is, it's Handmaid's Tale, but the women are in charge. That's my selling point you know what they call it catch line whatever it is elevator pitch handmaid's tale but the but the women are in charge and it's a sci-fi dystopian scenario so again i think i'm going to write that to christmas unless i really can't bring the story i, I i've kind of got i've got all these ideas for the story but i'm still not quite happy with the with the telling of it so what i might just do is just tell the blasted thing and then figure that out in post production you know just get the story out paul it might not be right at the first time you do it, but just get the story out and make a start and then come back to it and then, and then finesse it. But I'm, 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 I've a feeling that the kind of the way I, I want to tell it at the moment is like using a, uh, you know, a sledgehammer to crack a nut or using a blunt tool. Uh, and I, I want it to be kind of, you know, slightly cleverer than that. And I don't know whether I've got the writing skills to, to deliver it. So yeah, I might just write the blasted thing and, and then, and finesse it later. The other thing is because uh, because this is quite zeitgeisty this story, and because Handmaid's Tale is you know I might I might because I haven't I want to focus on the marketing and making the books that I've written work, and I might actually send that out to an agent or two or something you know you know so I might do something different with that, um, but I do want to write um, then in very quick succession three to four follow ups for Don't Tell Meg, so 2019 might simply be. Four thrillers, you know, one ninety thousand word thriller per quarter, written and released very quickly in two thousand and nineteen, in my sort of best selling series. So that in that Don't Tell Meg series, there would then be, um, you know, four four books that will be standalone books, and the prequel the will be the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. So I, this is quite handy. This is I said these are like psychotherapy sessions. These the more I'm talking about this, the more that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. So 2019 would be the year of, of thrillers. Don't tell Meg related thrillers. And then I'll just squeeze this other book in. Now, the, the reason for that is I, I, I'm um, enjoying the marketing. I've got a lot of marketing stuff still to do because this summer holiday, to be honest with you, I've uh, had a lot of fun with the family. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've done a lot of good stuff. I've enjoyed it. And, and you see that, I think that's important. There's a, there's a chap I listen to who talks about mindset stuff. You may never have heard of him before. He's a, a guy called Robin Sharma, who's my kind of favorite, one of my favorite guys for mindset stuff and, you know, business management stuff. And uh, I really, really like Robin. Could listen to his voice. You know, if you just listen to him, go to sleep listening to his voice. He's got a great voice too. And um, Robin Sharma, I, lo- I love one of his concepts. What, what he does is he works really hard all year, as, as everybody in business does working for themselves. But I mean, Robin's huge. He's huge, huge, huge. He, he has Richard Branson on stage. And I think, is it Steve Wozniak has been on one of his stages? You know, he's a real, he's really huge. But one of the things he talks about is using summer to recharge and replenish. So Robin Sharma takes summer off and he just goes out in nature, 
you know, he doesn't, he does some work, but primarily it's about him recharging his batteries. And I really like that idea. And because I think you can't just write all the time. You've got to have some recharge time um, as an author, particularly. You need new experiences. You need to do different things because that's what fuels your books. So I, I've taken this summer, I've been working, obviously, uh, doing the marketing stuff, but I haven't been on a a really tough agenda. So when I write, it's head down, do the work, get on with it, you know, no gaps, no no days off, you just do the work. Um, whereas with the marketing work, I've been steadily chugging, chugging it along, but I haven't been re- really working to a very strict agenda. And I've been out with a family, uh, you know, been to see my mum twice, um, you know, we've been, the kids always enjoy going to a, um, what's it called? A, a theme park. You know, we go to a theme park every year. We've done that. Um, I'm going out with the kids at the weekend, you know, so while the kids are at home, it just seems a shame not to do that. We went to Hexham. Um, you know, we've just, we've had some fun, uh, uh over the summer and, uh, the work, the work gets done, but not at the rate that it would normally get done. And so I'd have to recommend to you this Robin Sharma idea. It doesn't have to be in the summer because if you don't have kind of kids at home, you're not in that summer routine, but it's a natural routine. If you've got kids at home and you're in that academic year, as I am at the moment, still with universities, it makes sense to make it over summer. And, uh, I have to say, I feel all the better for not, not doing that much over summer. And it's good replenishing time, I think. So I, I do highly recommend that idea to you. But your summer might not be summer. It might be winter. In actual fact, I have I have two. I've, I've done this actually since I've been self-employed. Um, the first year I left the BBC, one of the things I was desperate to do was to just go to Spain for a month. I just wanted to go on a holiday. You know, when you go on holiday, like if you go for a week, you think, oh, I'm back at work. And then if you do 10 days, 10 days is quite nice. Two weeks is, is even nicer, but you never take more than two weeks when you're, when you're at work. And when I left the BBC, I just wanted to go for a month. I wanted to have a holiday where you sort of think, do you know what? I feel really fresh now. And you look at it and think, blimey, I've still got over two weeks left of this holiday. I wanted to have that experience. And, um, we did that several times, uh, uh several times. And we've only missed a year or two, usually for logistical reasons. And, um, uh, and I think I did a shorter holiday last year. Um, but this year I've booked, uh, I'm going to be away for about three weeks, I think, about th- just over three weeks in Spain. And again, this is like this Robin Sharma idea. Just go away, just leave everything, you know, replenish. And uh, so that's what I'm going to be doing over Spain. And I was so keen to do it again this year. I, like I worked around the family for a couple of years because uh, they didn't, I don't think they wanted to do the sort of the three weeks of the month thing. And actually it's interesting. Now I got kids at university. They kind of get why I do it now. And, they, and they're really keen to come now was they moaned a bit when they were sort of older teenagers. Uh, so uh, they didn't like the disruption. So I think that we're all kind of on board with this now. Uh, so yeah, we're going, I'm going away for three weeks, but I, because the, I, the family couldn't sort themselves out, I said, look, what I'm going to do is look, I'm booking, I'm going for three weeks this year. I want to go to Spain for three weeks because it really, really nourishes me. I love it at that time of year. And so I booked the cheapest flight. I got, I got the, the last sort of cheap flight before Christmas begins, cheapest, cheapest flight and the cheapest flight after New Year. So I'm coming back about 11th of January. So you miss all the bulk, you know, all the bulk travellers and things like that. You miss all of that nonsense, all the hiked up prices, and it's really cheap to get out there, which is kind of what we did. It's what we've always done. Don't go with the crowds. Avoid the crowds. And so I've booked those tickets. I've booked my mum in. My mum's coming with us. She always stays with us too. Uh, so it's nice family time. And then I just said to everybody else, look, just book, book your tickets 
and join me out there. I'll just get an apartment and just join me. You know, there'll be enough rooms. Just turn up when you're ready. But I want to have three weeks out there this year. So I've, that's what I've done. And, and the family will sort themselves out behind me and join me a couple of days later and uh, leave a couple of days earlier. But I was really keen to get my three weeks this year. And I, I you know, if you if you can manage it, I highly recommend it. It's so, um, so refreshing. Uh, I, 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 again, if you live in the UK, weather's just horrible at that time of year. And I just, it really replenishes me to go and get some sunshine and blue sky. So if you can do it, and again, you know, it doesn't have to be Spain. Do what you can within within the resources that you have. But it's the concept I'm selling here. The concept is of the difference of the change is really important. That was a really long introduction, wasn't it? I, and I went all over the place there. So, so, okay, bottom line is I start writing Friday 12th of October. Probably going to be a literary fiction sci-fi book. 2019 provisional plans, four thrillers, one every three months. And they will be in the Don't Tell Meg series. So I'll have a series of seven thrillers that uses the same core uh, the same core characters. Book one will be a standalone thriller featuring those ca- ca- characters, and that will give me two promo options. It will mean I can book bub and promo book one uh, in the series. Well, well, the book, the first book that I write in 2019, which has the core characters, and from that I could promote the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. I want to find out where these characters came from, what their backstory is then read the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And then as I get the next three books written, I, I've got many promo options. I can, you know, Don't Tell Meg is standalone. From Don't Tell Meg, I can say, read the next in the series. Now, the next in the series, they will not be a trilogy. If I take those characters forward, they will be standalone thrillers. So each one will be a standalone with the characters. Um, and they might have, they might have sort of subsequential elements to them in that I do want the central characters uh, relationship um, to to kind of develop over that time, but but I want them to be ones that you can pick up and read standalone, uh, even though they link to a series. So um, that's probably going to be my plan for 2019-2018, but uh, got to finalise that yet. Okay, so where does that leave me? That's writing plans. Let me. I've got sort of general news for you now. I do want to highly recommend, highly highly recommend a blog post by Rachel Amphlett, who is what you'd call a friend of the show, I guess, now, because Rachel, I think, has been on three times now. I want to get her on again, actually. I want Rachel, if you're listening, I want to do a deep dive on Kobo because it's not working for me. I know it's working for you. So that might be something I put in Patreon. I'm not sure yet, but um, that's on my radar. But Rachel's written this great post called why i won't publish my ebooks on kindle unlimited so rachel goes wide with her books and i just uh you've, you've heard my experiences with bookbub i've now done one bookbub wide one bookbub on kdp select uh, not much in it well actually slightly more money from going wide um a couple of things have been a revelation to me there the itunes actually I've, i i got my confirmed payment through barnes and noble i mean in August, I think I made six hundred over six hundred in between six hundred and seven hundred dollars from Barnes and Noble, which I would say is a you know not a, an outlet that I would generally get excited about. Uh, but that's sort of confirmed income from Barnes and Noble now. And I don't know because that's confirmed income. I'm not sure whether that's um, higher or lower than what I've been telling you as weekly breakdowns. I, I haven't had a time to sit down and work it out yet. But six hundred six hundred fifty dollars from Barnes and Noble feels good to me uh, for one month. And um, I haven't had the confirmed payment yet from iBooks. That's the one I'm really waiting for because that's going to be the high one. 
Um, so Rachel uh, makes a very compelling case for going wide. Very compelling. And I know it's working well for her. So please read that blog post. I've put it on the show notes for today. If you go to selfpublishingjourneys.com, if you're listening to this in the week that I've published it, it's episode number 117 if you're not, but it'll be on the front page if you're just listening to this in the week I've recorded this. Uh, I'm taking part in four giveaways at the moment. So just as a quick refresher, you'll know that, um, you know, I wasn't building my list because of GDPR. I finally got my act together as part of my marketing work. So everything's working again now. So I am promoting my books. The other thing I'm doing in my giveaways is I've got these um, sort of one-time offers so that if you get a free book on InstaFreebie or BookFunnel as part of a free giveaway, I'm very much pushing you to my box sets of books so that you can you know buy, buy the lot and I can make some money from a freebie interestingly these are not massively good quality uh, giveaways by the looks of it but I, I haven't actually sold anything from them yet which means no one's reading the books uh, or, or tends to suggest no one's reading the books but that's by the by let me just give you the, the breakdowns I'm taking part in two insta freebie giveaways and two um, what they call book funnel giveaways so I'm in a mystery thriller giveaway on Insta Freebie, and we've had 88 claims of the book. So 88 people have downloaded my my book there. Uh, the survival giveaway, uh, which is also an Insta Freebie, it's an apocalypse and dystopian and zombies giveaway, 66 claims. So the claims on Insta Freebie have been quite low on these giveaways. Now that isn't true of the last giveaway I did. So I, 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 all I can assume is that they, you know, so some giveaways attract really good quality of people in that they've got big lists and things like that and some giveaways don't um so the i would say that's fairly low claims for a giveaway but you know that's 88 it's 66 what is it, 150 that i didn't have before that's potentially 150 readers i didn't have before so we'll see how that goes and then i'm in two book funnel giveaways which have done much better so i'm on a discover your next favorite series giveaway on book funnel we've had 176 book claims from that and then i'm in a women rule giveaway which is where the women the women are the protagonists in the story so i've listed my thriller burden of guilt which has a female protagonist and i've had 184 claims uh on on that book so um you know, if you look at that, what's that, 300, 450, 450 this month, or pretty well this month, uh, people access my books. And from there, obviously, I've got promos that encourage them to read other books and promos that encourage them to buy my my box sets. So I'm just very quickly logging into MailerLite, because, of course, not all of those people will subscribe to my list. So from that... I had um, I've had 91 this month, 91 new subscribers this month, and then last month I had 190 new subscribers. Um, you know, just from kind of giveaways and organic. So, uh, what's my list up to now? Because remember, I burned it right back, uh, and we've had quite a few unsubscribed recently, actually, which is interesting. Which I I don't mind at all. You know, I'd rather you, I'd rather you just if you don't like it, just go. You know, that's that's always my view because I'm paying for you. Um, so, um, uh, what is my, I can't work out what my list is at the moment. Does, does it do it easily? Yes. So my list is currently, uh, and remember I'm building it back up from, I can't remember what it was, about 2000 probably. We're up to 2664 at the moment. Um, and I'm being really aggressive with people who aren't op- uh, opening emails at the moment. I'm just, I'm just burning them. Um, MailerLite now has this function called clean up inactive. 
and it uh, allows you to just burn subscribers who've been on your list for more than six months and didn't open any of the emails you said. So I'm actually just going into that and burning people. If you're not opening emails, you get burned. You you go straight away. So I'm being, I'm being right on top of this at the moment because if you're not opening my emails, I just I don't want you on my list because I'm, I'm paying for you at the moment. And, um, you know, I know there's all sorts of arguments about, you know, people might be reading previews and things like that, but I just want to engage people because I'm... Um, because I'm doing these new sort of style emails where I'm asking questions and getting lots of answers. Um, I'm really making an effort to sort of be really engaged and having conversations with readers and having them feel that they can email me and, and then I'm getting back to them. So that's really what I'm, I'm working towards. With that in mind, if you haven't opened that email in six months, it's bye-bye. So uh, don't ever worry about that. I know that when you're building lists, it feels every subscriber feels really precious. Don't worry about that. Just burn them. <laughs> they'll come back. If they're desperate, they'll come back. If they really want to hear from you. They'll resubscribe. Um, but if they're not, don't worry about it. You know, you want to be dealing with the people who are really interested and engaged. So um, those are the giveaways. Um, so they're doing okay. You know, nothing set in the world on fire, but they're doing okay. I just wanted to let you know that um, I've been doing this very piecemeal, but I have finally finished the one thing. Hang on, I'll just lean over and get it because I wanted to, to read something to you from it. I can't recommend this book highly enough. It's the it's called The One Thing, and it's written by Gary Keller with Jay Papasan. And I've read this. I think this is the second time I've read this. And my it was already marked with loads of pencil marks from the first time. And as, as you'll know, I was really keen to go through it again. It has taken me a while actually because I've been reading other things too. But um, I, I finally finished it this morning. It's such a great book, and I've, I've underlined even more things now. And I'm interested to see that a lot of the things I do already, it's funny, I was, I'll talk to you about this in a moment, but I was at a meeting of podcasters yesterday and somebody asked me um, to do something which I thought would take a commitment of time. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. And I, I was complimented on my ability to say no politely. Um, and and it was funny, I, I, that was not in reaction to this book, but I'd, I'd, I'd read the chapters in the book and thought, oh, yeah, I do that. I say no all the time to people got to really contain your time you know if you're a time management fiend like I am and this is how I get the books written is I say no to a lot of stuff or I say no not now to a lot of stuff um if I can't get the you know if it, if it doesn't if the writing is the first thing that gets book, booked in on the the right the, the on my agenda and you have to you know whatever whatever you're asking me has to take place around that I will not budge the writing days and um, this is one of the things that the one thing says, you know, you focus on what you want to do. And for us, it's writing and selling books. That's kind of two things. But it's, you know, it, it, I, it, I've thought about this within, in the context of the one thing. But as authors, it's not just about writing the books. Um, I've written a book called So Many Lies, which needs to be edited and published. And then I need to sell it. So I don't know whether you can boil what. Can you? Can we boil if you know how to boil it down into one thing? But the, the closest I can get is to write and sell books is our one thing because we can't just write them but we've got to write them to be able to sell them but writing them uh we just have a pile of books on our shelf that didn't bring us any income be very nice thank you i've written 15 books but none of them are selling so we've, we've got to kind of write and sell our books that's our one thing write and sell um so the marketing is as important as the writing now if you can boil down what we do as authors into one thing if you've gone through that exercise, i'd love to hear it because that's the closest i can get write and sell books that's the closest i can get to what should we be doing as authors write and sell them if you could do that better to one thing <laughs> then then let me know what it is um you know make a living from writing books 
Is that one thing? That's my one thing. I want to make a living, a good living, from writing books. That that would be one thing, isn't it? So if you could condense that better than I can, let me know. But what I'm saying is, please read this book. Please, please, please read The One Thing. There's all sorts of books people recommend. I'm recommending this one very highly to. I'll put a link on the show notes. There's a book in here about, uh, there's a section in here, one pa- uh, page 166. I just noted it. Loads of things that I could I could make an audio book telling you all the good bits. But um, there's just a, a bit that relates to writers here. And it's from Stephen King's On Writing where he says, my own schedule is pretty clear cut. Mornings belong to whatever is new, the current composition. So so writing. Mornings for Stephen King are writing. That's his one thing. Afternoons are for naps and letters. Evenings are for reading, family, Red Sox games on TV, and any revisions that can't wait, So, so pressing deadlines. So basically, mornings are my prime writing time. Four hours a day may scare you, you know, more than King's novels, but you can't argue with his results. Stephen King is one of the most successful and prolific writers of our time. He gets the writing done. And they call this block time in The One Thing. You block your time and you do the writing. Stephen King does it. Now, your my writing time is in the morning. So I'm not, I wouldn't, I couldn't do it in the afternoon. I couldn't do it in the evening. I have to write in the morning. So, and Stephen King does the same thing. Um, you might be a night time, a night owl. It doesn't matter what your time is but I would suggest that you block your writing time when you're in flow. And I'm in flow in the mornings. That's why I did breakfast shows for years. Uh, I'm sickeningly alert in the mornings. Um, And so this book goes on to say, whenever I tell this story, there's always one person who says to me, well, sure, it's easy for Stephen King. He's Stephen King. And to that, I simply say, I think the question you ask yourself is this, does he get to do this because he's Stephen King? Or is he Stephen King because he does this? That that's that's really to the nub of it, you know. If you're one of those people who says, "Oh, he's Stephen King," you know, of course he does that. No, he's Stephen King because he did that. He's Stephen King because he sat down, blocked out the time, and did that. He did his one thing, and that's why he's become Stephen King. So the book goes on to say, like so many other successful writers, early in his career, King had to find his time. His time blocks where he could mornings, evenings, even lunch breaks because his day job, he had to have a day job like, you know, I, I've got a part time day job and I've got a day job. Most of us have got day jobs because we can't yet make a living from this. Um, he had to find his time blocks where he could because his day job didn't accommodate his an- ambition for his life. Once extraordinary results started showing up and he could earn a living from his one thing, he was able to move his time blocks to a more suitable time. Page 166 said the one thing. Please read that book. But what that's saying, and I remember doing this, you know, I remember when I was at the BBC, this is 10 years ago this year for me. Is it 10 years? No, eight years this year. But it was it was 10 years ago that I made this decision. When I was the guy who was busy at work, you know, I was um I had a senior position in the BBC, so I was, you know, busy, you took things home with you. Um, and I was tired when I got home, you know, worn out by people and staff issues. Uh, like you are when you do sort of more senior jobs and I wanted to make a change and I can remember uh, you know I, I got this time block thing even then before I'd read all this stuff I started my first step forward was I carved an hour out in the evening and it was an hour that I used to sit watching television that was the first time and I and so I had I carved out time at weekends and I carved out an hour 
in in the evening when I was at work. I could remember it. I could remember carving that hour out. And that's how I started. And as I did more and got better results, you know, it enabled me to do other things. But for me, it started with an hour a night, time that I used to just sit in a chair, go, you know, kids in bed, stories read, wash it up, done. And I sat in a chair, watched telly. I stopped doing that. Um, and I still sat down with my wife at the end of an evening, but I found, I think I found the hour. I think it was eight till nine originally, eight till nine. Kids in bed, washing up done. Eight till nine was when I carved out that time. And then it would maybe run to nine thirty, and then we'd sit down and just, you know, watch something together and have a yak in front of the telly at the end of the evening. So I can remember carving that time out now. And, and I, and now those time blocks are. My writing time, you know about my writing days. It's, it gives, and having time blocks gives me the ability to say, right, I'm going to Spain in December then. Um, when count back the days of the time blocks and say, right, I'll have a 90,000 word book written by that date. That's how time blocking works. So please read this book. Reread it if you haven't reread it recently. Read it, buy it and read it if you haven't, um, already done so. It's a brilliant book and it, it's one of these books that I, that has been so sort of profound for me. It's one of those books where you can just read it any time in your career and just see where you've underlined and you always find new stuff in it. It's a great book. It's one of the books that sits on my shelf with all my key books in there, along with, um, what is it, uh, Brian Traces, several Brian Traces on there, all sorts of books on that shelf. Maybe, maybe I should do a video on it for Patreon sometime. Um, I'll take you through my bookshelf. Actually, that's a great idea. I'll take you through my bookshelf on Patreon. It's a great idea for a Patreon video, and I'll show you what's on there. Okay, so what else? Uh, that's the one thing. Uh, I don't really know why I'm telling you this, but I'll let you know. But I'm going to a crime and thriller event in Morecambe. Uh, I love Morecambe. Seaside towns. English seaside towns. Fantastic. So I'm going to Morecambe. It's called, is it Morecambe Advice, they call it. The crime and thriller event. 29th and 30th of September. It's the usual thing. Listen to thriller authors, right? I know a couple of them because uh, there's some local authors going there. Morecambe's not in Cumbria. It's just on the border. So uh, we, we, us Cumbrians and Lancastrians, we flit over the border quite freely um, because anything kind of north of Preston feels like Cumbria anyway. Um, so I, I shall be going to Morecambe. Looking forward to that. The reason I mention that is because I'm going to meet up for lunch with uh, John Cronshaw, who, who lives in and around Morecambe. Um, and it sounds like he's a vagrant, doesn't it? <laughs> he has a house in Morco. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to let you know where he lives, but he lives in that area. Um, and, uh, I met John on Thursday in Lancaster. We've got a number of podcasters in Cumbria now. And because I guess I'm fairly well connected through business circles and, and self-publishing circles, I thought, oh, we've, you know, there are, there are quite a lot of us around now. It would make sense for us to just meet every once in a while and exchange tips and see how we can help each other and share expertise. So uh, six of us met in Lancaster yesterday and uh, John came over from Morecambe um, with Digit, with Digit the dog. Now, if you follow John online, you'll have heard all about uh, Digit. Digit's uh, John's guide dog. What a Beautiful, beautiful creature Digit is. I've been dying to meet Digit for ages because John had said to me he thought he might have Digit by the time he went to 20 books in February this year. But for, for various reasons, Digit didn't accompany John uh, to 20 books. But I met Digit for the first time and what a trick. Digit is a gorgeous dog, beautiful animal. They're so beautifully trained. 
So um, I've put a picture of the show notes this week, and it's on my social media of me, John, and Digit the dog. And um, it was great to meet up with John. John and I met a little bit earlier to have a, a sort of an author's geek out so we could do some author chat. And then it was podcasts when all the other podcasters came. And um, John and I are also going to meet. Um, I've got a couple of sessions I'm not really interested in attending at Morecambe and Vice. So we're going to go for a nice traditional English Sunday lunch. Well, I am. I love a beef and, and, and Yorkshire's and roast potatoes. I'm going to have that. Uh, so we're going to meet up over the Morecambe and Vice crime and thriller event. Uh, and the reason I'm telling you that is networking is very important. I met John. He came to the first ever Borderlines session I did when, when it was very early days for me in self-publishing. And um, I was telling people this yesterday. John, at that session, John was pretty well the only person who, who he quite clearly stood out as somebody who was going to be successful in this to me. it was when I do, I've stopped doing these self-publishing sessions now because I'm sort of fed up with talking to people who – don't want to do the work, frankly. They, 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 you know, when I, I, if I do a self-publishing session, I'm going to tell you what it takes. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They think you just write the book and it sells itself. Well, for some people, that might be enough. But my self-publishing is about selling and marketing books. And I want to make, you know, a, a good living from this. So when you tell people this, you can sort of see their faces. Um, and you think they're not going to do the work. These people are not going to do the work. This is way more than they thought it was about. But that is what self-publishing is, right? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to gloss over it. And um, John was at the first ever session, and John was so, you know, quite clearly, totally clued up. He was, he knew about mailing lists. He was listening to podcasts. He was reading all the right books, doing all the right things. He quite clearly was going places. And but John is, I think, virtually the only person I've met at one of those sessions. And forgive me if I've forgotten somebody. But he was, and, and, you know, John has now, you know, exceeded my output. He's doing, you know, way better than I am. And, uh, you know, that's, that's brilliant. And, and, and so you get the networking value of these sessions, you know, and so obviously John and I have kept in contact because he's local to me and it's great that we can meet at events like this and exchange author tips and things like that. It's just, you know, and, and so networking, uh, I call it meaningful network and I don't network for the sake of it. You know, you won't see me go into networking things where people are just, you know, it's the same old faces talking about the same old things. I'm very focused with my networking. Um, I don't just go for a chit chat. You know, I, 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 this is why I organize the podcasters group. There are six people there. We all live in the same county. We're all doing the same thing. It makes sense that we meet up, exchange tips and see how we can help each other. That to me is uh, purposeful, meaningful networking. It's not just chit chat. And, you know, you always leave sessions like that with ideas, tips. It makes you think. And that's why I like to do things like that. Um, so great. Anyhow, I'm going all over the place. I do apologize for this. <laughs> I thought it hadn't been a busy week. And we're, I think we're at 42 minutes already, but uh, hopefully this is all sort of useful stuff. This is my author life. This is, this is what I do. Um, but, uh, it was great to meet John. You know, it's always good. Always, always, always good to meet people like John. This is why I've got my ticket for 20 books to 50k in Edinburgh, because you need to immerse yourself in people who have the same aspirations as you. And um, you need to take the tips and the tricks and you need to learn from people who are ahead of you so that you can, uh, you've heard the phrase success leaves clues. You need to follow their footprints. Um, you know, you need to do what they do because that's how you improve your output. And that's what this marketing, these marketing months over summer have been about for me. So, um, looking forward to seeing John again in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that crime and thriller event. I'll report back when I've been. Um, I start recording the weekly interviews for this podcast next week. So, I'm booking guests in again now. And so, the weekly interviews will begin 
from next week. Now, something I'm going to do with new guests, um, I, I've said to you that my podcast, everything in my business needs to earn its keep. If it doesn't, it's a hobby. Okay, so an activity that you do that doesn't make profit is a hobby. So if it only costs you and you enjoy it and it doesn't bring in an income, it's a hobby. It's only a business if it makes money. Okay, so the reason I'm telling you that is I really enjoy doing my podcast. It suits my flow. I enjoy I, and I get the benefits from talking to other authors, as I was telling you about. It's, it's to me my podcast interviews are like purposeful networking i get to talk to people who i'm really interested in who are doing great things and i get to pick their brain so i always get that personal benefit from doing a podcast the podcast diary is immensely useful to me uh, as a, it's like psychotherapy for me but you know it, it makes me accountable um it makes me think about what i've done and what i've achieved and what i'm going to do so i i get personal benefit from doing this podcast immense personal benefit from from a business point of view what i was saying to you about having to really time and motion my business you know that uh, uh, i can't do things that distract me from the writing if i do like this podcast it's got to earn its keep it's got to become part of my author income so this is why i've been examining the podcast and you know looking at how i can make money from it and that 200 dollars i made in affiliate income for that one advert um is is part of how I make income from this podcast all right but another one of my favorite phrases is when people ask me to do things is I don't work for free okay I don't know about you but I don't work for free so uh, because if I work for free I'd be living on the streets uh, eating from bins okay so you, you shouldn't work for free you shouldn't expect other people to work for free and you shouldn't work for free right you don't work for free so um I so I need to find a way to monetize the podcast so quite clearly I'm good. You're good to see me, and I'm sorry if it peeves you off. All right, but but don't let it peeve you off because you need to have this mindset as an author. You don't work for free. If you write a book and never sell any copies, then you're you're a hobbyist writer. It's a hobby. You are an author who makes you know makes a living, even if it's a part living from their book. If you sell, if you write and sell books, that's why I said to you, my one thing is so difficult. It's not just about writing books. We have to sell books to make a living from this. And the selling is often a difficult part. So the podcast has to earn its keep. If it's going to take up as much time as it does in my life, if it's going to take uh, time that I could be writing, it has to earn its keep. So with apologies for this, well, no apologies for this, actually. I'm just explaining why you're going to hear it. You're going to hear me constantly talk about Patreon. And I'm going to, you're going to see me putting exclusive content in Patreon to build the value of Patreon because I have to make this podcast pay. If I can't make this podcast pay because not enough people sort of value what they get from it, then I have to close it. That, that it's as simple as that uh, because otherwise it's a hobby that takes a lot of my time. Now, um, I, I already am very happy with the way Patreon's going. You know, now I'm actually being proactive about it. And now I've got my act together. I'm getting new Patreons all the time, which is fantastic. Um, so, and I'm going to continue to grow that, but you, you're going to constantly hear me directing you to Patreon content. And the, why I'm telling you this is when I record the new interviews, I'm going to record when I did the survey and, and thank you if you took part in that. I did a survey at the beginning of this marketing process, asking people what they thought the ideal length of a podcast was. And the responses I got was half hour to an hour, half an hour to an hour is the ideal length for a podcast. Um, so that really means about 45 minutes. Now, when I book guests, I talk to them for an hour. So what I'm going to do, again, really just for the next 10 podcast recordings, probably, uh, with guests, I'm going to record 45 minutes of content that you'll hear in the weekly podcast, and then 10 minutes of exclusive content that's going to go into Patreon. 
Okay, now this is this might annoy you if you're not a Patreon supporter, but this is about me creating exclusive content for people who who support the podcast. So that if you're listening to a guest and then I say to you, oh, by the way, there's another 10 minutes of exclusive content of that in Patreon, I'm going to keep pushing you towards Patreon. This is not a hobby. It's a business, and that's why I'm doing it. And I, you know, I hope you'll appreciate that because if you don't appreciate it, you're unlikely to be able to make an income from your books. You have to. You can't sort of just cuss people because they're trying to make a living from what they do. Uh, you know, we don't work for free, and you can only give stuff away free strategically as an author. So I give away "Don't Tell Meg" for free. I make five thousand pounds in a month from a book bub um, from books two and three. Okay, so it's not it's free, but it's not free. And it's the same with the podcast. I give away loads of free content. There's loads and loads of free stuff. But at a certain point, I need to make an income from it. And that's why I'm going to be pushing Patreon. So I'll try that for the next 10 weeks. For the next 10 guests I get booked in, it'll be 45 minutes of free content that everybody gets. And then 10 minutes uh, that will go into Patreon. And uh, that will be exclusive content for Patreon listeners. The reason for that is I have to build value for Patreon listeners. You know, I have to create a space where it feels like you're missing out. If you, if you're not a Patreon member, frankly, you will be missing out if you're not a Patreon member. Um, but I'm not giving away everything for free. That's good. Everything goes into Patreon and in Patreon and people are already doing this. They can ask me questions. And again, you know, I, I'm not going to show you personal bank accounts and things, but you'll find that I'm pretty free and easy that I show you a lot of stuff that most people would not show you. Um, I can't give everything away, clearly. There's going to be some privacy in this life. But um, I show you as much as I can possibly show you uh, within the Patreon account. So um, recording start next week. Looking forward to that. Again, I'm blocking my time. I did used to sort of give people a lot of scope as to when they could book the interviews, but I'm not anymore. I'm I'm doing my interviews Monday, Tuesday nights um, because that fits in with my schedule. Uh, it's time when I've been at work uh, and I, I say I'm tired. Uh, I, I'm not so tired that I can't do an interview, but it's not time to say that I would write at that time. I'd be too tired to be sort of creative and writing. Absolutely, but a uh, podcast interview is great to do. So um, my, my general sort of rule of thumb is, is Monday, Tuesdays will be uh, podcast, uh, self-publishing journeys, podcast recording nights. And then Wednesday, Thursday, I prep and record the crypto podcast. And then sort of Thursday and Friday and Saturday, depending on whether my wife's working or not, are writing days. Sunday, I generally keep free or do marketing if you've not got anything on. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, during the day, I have to work, you know, at the day job. And that's the rough pattern of my week. So everything is blocked there and everything has a time. Now, I would make exceptions for podcast interviews if I simply couldn't get a guest um, to fit into that slot. So I will make exceptions, but the rule is good to be Monday, Tuesday, uh, recording nights. You know, so sometimes I have people in the States and things. I have to make some adjustments around that. But uh, generally, I'm going to limit what I offer people for recording slots to fit in more with my time scale. Um, so, you know, that does, you know, I always say I am, I sound like a time management fascist. I am, frankly, um, because that's how I've got 15 books written. Um, uh, you know, you have to be a time management fascist. And I, I refer you back to the one thing. <laughs> Read that book and you'll see why I am how I am um, about time. So um, the other thing we're going to do, I'm, uh, I've booked in Claire Sager, who's been on this podcast before. If you uh, are in the 20 Books to 50K Facebook group, and, and frankly, you ought to be, even if you just watch um Claire has launched her first book and she talked about that in her interview you can check it in the, in the interview archives but Claire has has sort of made over a hundred dollars in the first couple of weeks of a launch and she's not paid for that 
And I, I've been watching what's been happening with Claire and thought, you know, what? I, I want to burrow into this because there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast and you're, you, you may be one of them who's not written the first book yet or just written the first book and released it and haven't got a clue how you're going to make sales. And, and Claire's experience just is so uh, pertinent to that because I was I was thinking about when I first released books. You know, I didn't make hundred dollars over a hundred dollars in my first month. It took me a, quite a while to figure out how to do that. And, and Claire's done it with her first book, and she's following best practice. And I thought I really want to drill down into exactly what she's done to make that income over a, over that a course of such a small time with a brand new book as an unknown author. Because I thought, I bet there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who say, I would be very happy with over $100 in my first month with my first book. So um, Claire's going to be one of the first interviews that I do, and I'll drop that as soon as possible. Uh, just wanted to mention Publish Drive to you. Um, I plan now, I like Publish Drive so much. They did an interview, by the way, on Joanna Penn's podcast uh, on Monday. So it's Joanna's Monday, the 3rd of September episode it was with a lady from Publish Drive one of the co-founders well worth listening to if if Publish Drive isn't on your radar yet I love Publish Drive and I hate the Google Play interface so um I emailed Publish Drive this week and said look I don't like Google Play I want to move the three standalone books that I've got on Google Play into Publish Drive. Is that going to screw anything up if I do, you know, with author profiles and things? They said, no, it should be fine. It should be just a clean exchange. So I'm going to move my three standalones, Don't Tell Meg, Murder Place, and uh, The Forgotten Children. I'm going to move them out of Google Play and just use Publish Drive. But the other thing about Publish Drive, if you listen to Joanna's interview, and I, I might get Publish Drive on actually because they were really good and I'm very interested in what they're doing. But if you listen to Joanna's interview, they're talking about, you know, hitting sort of Chinese markets and things like that, something that I'm quite passionate about. So again, I am still dithering a little bit about this, but I am, I am minded now to stay wide. And, and the question is, is, you know, do I put, do I put something into, do I put maybe a series or some standalones into, KDP Select. I'm not sure yet. I was talking to John Cronshaw yesterday, and KDP Select's like a drug. If, if if you've ever got to the stage where you're getting income from book reads, and I've had some quite substantial income in KDP Select from book reads, it's like a drug. It's really hard to wean yourself off it. Um, you know, because those page reads that make such amount a good amount of income for you. And John was saying this when I was talking to him yesterday. You know, it's so difficult to to wean yourself off page reads. I had to do it for the book bub. So I. I know the value of page reads. I know the value of KDP Select, but also if you read Rachel Amphlett's article and you listen to Joanna Penn, you know, they, they talk about the benefits of going wide. You know, Google, I know this from my Facebook experience. Facebook have slapped, you know, blocked my ads account. Amazon block accounts just like that. And that's your income all gone. Um, you know, I, I know from my re- previous experience, that I can make as much income from iBooks as I do Amazon. And there's strength in that because if Amazon ever blocked me, I, I know I've got another way of making, you know, keeping my income up with my books. So many things to think about when you think about going narrow and wide, but I, I am more minded to stay wide at the moment. Whether I put a standalone or two, maybe in KDP Select, I'm not sure. But um, I think I'll certainly stay wide for the next three months, the next sort of quarter, see how it goes, and then make a judgment on it, I think, see how my income's going. But uh, Publish Drive, highly recommended if you haven't checked it out. That's really why I wanted to say that. 
Um, I'm going to add some new patron-only videos. Um, clearly, I need to add one about the books on my shelf. I think that would be a really good one. So I'll do a patron-only video about the books on my shelf. But I'm going to do uh, a patron patrons-only video on um, a look inside my giveaway. So I've mentioned the giveaways to you, but I'll do a video recording to show you more detail about how I've done the Insta Freebie and the Book Funnel giveaways. I've had a couple of questions that people have asked. So I'm going to do... Um, free promo submission question. So if somebody's asking me about how and when do you submit free promos, I've got a lot of experience of that, so I'll record a video on that. Somebody's asked me a question about BookBub promos and pricing and things like that, so I'll be answering that. So I'm hoping to record and add three new, four new patron-only videos, but there's already, if you join, if you come a Patreon supporter today, at the lowest level of $1 per month. That's $12 a year. $12 a year for all of this juicy goodness on the podcast. Um, please become a, a patron, and then that ensures that I can continue this podcast. You know, it becomes a uh, a way of me uh, generating business income rather than a hobby, which is just unpaid activity. Um, and, and then it sort of secures the future of this this podcast because it becomes then an essential part of the business, of my author business. Um, there's loads of videos in there already, um, you know, even before I record these videos, but I'm adding stuff to Patreon all the time and it's kind of exclusive content. I can sort of tell you stuff that I've done on the podcast, but I can show you it in, in Patreon and that's why it's working so well for me at the moment. And also, of course, you get direct access to me for questions. Many people have asked questions and I just record an answer for them in Patreon. So um, hopefully there's a lot of value in there. And thank you very much to Tony Walsh and Mike Rowley for becoming new patrons this week. I hope to see another little flurry by the end of the week. Uh, and all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash up. Isn't that terrible? You see, that's why I need a good slap on the wrist because I can't even remember my own Patreon account. I'm trying to remember whether it is Paul Teague or Self-Publishing Journeys. Which one is it? I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Paul Teague, isn't it? Patreon.com slash Paul Teague. How's that for a cool salesman? doesn't even know his own URL. So patreon.com slash Paul Teague will take you to my Patreon page for this podcast. I would love to see you among the 27 patrons that we've got already. So you can see I've been really pushing this. I'd really love to get to 50 if we can. And the lowest level to get all the videos uh, is $1 a month, $12 a year, $12 a year for all that lovely value. So I hope to see you over there anyway, and uh, I shall be recording some videos later today. Uh, that is it for me. That was a long one. That was a long one. And I thought, oh, I don't have anything to say this week. So apologies for that again. Just must mention Pip Reed. Pip, where are you now? You're always in lovely places. Lake Okanagan? Lake Okanagan, I think it is. I don't even, Pip, I don't even know where that is. But it looks sunny and beautiful. Beautiful blue sky. And it looks like you're sat somewhere very, very nice with a delightful view. So thank you for tweeting that and making me jealous. Um, that's Pip Reed, a, a big supporter of this podcast and also a uh, Patreon supporter. Thank you, Pip. And also um, a guest, a previous guest on this show. Okay, so no guest next week. Remember, the weekly interviews resume from Monday the 1st of October, but I will be back with you for another Paul's Podcast Diary update next Saturday. In the meantime, I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.